Joy is a form of resilience and joy is a form of activism in itself. So the politics of joy and hope are really, really necessary, especially in the time that we live. And this is the spaces that we're trying to create with Afro Bubblegum. You are listening to Think African, a seasonal podcast engaging African thinkers and doers on what it means to think African. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalapa. Forty years ago, all African states except Sudan promised to dismantle all forms of discrimination, especially those based on race, ethnic groups, language, color, sex, religion, or political opinion. In their introduction to the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, drafted in 1981, they unanimously agreed that freedom, equality, justice, and dignity are essential to achieving all the aspirations of African people. Yet today, African states are the very ones who seem to be on the front lines, crushing all aspirations of freedom, justice, and equality for their citizens. For example, love between same-sex couples is still illegal in 34 African states. But more than being a human rights issue, homosexual rights in Africa have become political weapons used by tyrannic governments to control money, policy, people, and creativity. Most African leaders justify this war on love with claims that homosexuality is a colonial concept brought to the continent by the West. Consequently, people who choose to engage in same-sex sexual relationships or partnerships continue to be harassed and victimized, even in countries where homosexuality and same-sex unions are protected. Thank you so much, and I hope you fall in love with the film as much as we have fallen in love with these beautiful characters. Thank you. In this week's episode of Think African, we explore the question of homosexual rights in Africa through the story of a Kenyan filmmaker whose dreams of making world cinematic history were crushed by her own government. I wanted to show the image of young people in love because I remember the last time I saw somebody a young African couple in love. It was years ago in the cinemas. It was absolutely years ago. I mean, we have lots of straight-to-DVD and straight-to-TV movies that have love, but a truly cinematic love story from Africa, a few and far between. And I just wanted to be able to add our love to cinematic history. Her 2018 film about two teenage girls in love called Rafiki would take her on a journey beyond her own safety and comfort into a fight to defend Kenya's young constitution and the right to freedom of expression. When Wanuri Kahayu entered a television studio for the first time as a teenager, 
she had a revelation that would change the course of her life forever. So when I was 16, I walked into a TV station or TV studio that somebody was trying to get off the ground. Um, and that was under Moy's regime, so they were unable to get a, a license to start the TV station. But for me, it was the first time I realized that people make TV and film. It hadn't occurred to me that people do that. And once I realized that that was a possibility, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I started to pursue it from then. She traveled over the Atlantic Ocean to learn the tools of her chosen trade, which would eventually lead her to the set of The Italian Job, a 2003 American heist action thriller where she interned for the film's director, F. Gary Gray. I wanted to tell a story about people. I always like to tell stories about relationships and people and how um, just things happen. Because I, I don't believe in binary worlds. I don't believe there's a good and a bad. I think that there's many, many intersections and many overlaps. And without a full understanding of what is happening in the world and the point of view that people are coming from, then we won't have a complete understanding of how we can right wrongs. Eventually, Wanuri would get to fulfill her childhood dream. In the late 2000s, she wrote and directed her own feature film, From a Whisper, about the aftermath of the 1998 terrorist bombings of the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi. The attacks killed 250 people and left more than 5,000 injured. So From a Whisper was an attempt to start a conversation about forgiveness, acceptance and understanding of the people who we live with, the people who are in our community but have different beliefs and sometimes have very, very uh, fundamentalist beliefs and, and very staunch beliefs. But if we don't have an understanding of where they're coming from, then we can't engage in a conversation. So From a Whisper was an attempt to start a conversation about who we are and how, and how we go through the world. The feature film was a resounding success. It received 12 nominations and won five awards at the African Movie Academy Awards in 2009 for Best Picture, Best Original Soundtrack, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and an AMAA Achievement in Editing. From a Whisper also won the Best Feature Narrative Award at the 2010 Pan-African Film and Arts Festival, the film was also honoured with the 2010 British Academy of Film and Television LA Chapter Festival Choice Prize. Following the success of her first feature, Wanuri went on to produce a television documentary about the late Nobel Peace Prize laureate Professor Wangari Mathai called For Our Land in 2009. We can drum up God all night. We can pray all night. But if we continue allowing a few selfish and greedy people to destroy our forest in this fashion, then we deserve to die. In 2010, her short science fiction, Pumzi, which means breath in Kiswahili, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, the largest independent film festival in the United States. It also went on to win Best Short Film at Cannes Independent Film Festival, Anna Silva at the Cartaj Film Festival, and the Cita di Venezia Award from the Venice International Film Festival.
Pumzi explores the socio-political and psychological implications of a world defined by intense scarcity of natural resources such as water. Actually, there's a, there's a short story I read a long time ago that was written in the beginning of the 1900s called The Machine Stops by E.M. Foster. And he had predicted a time where people live in, in silos by themselves um, and have no interaction with other human beings except through an interface. So these ideas have always been around. Um, Ian Foster very much influenced uh, my storytelling, especially the, the telling of Pumzi as a result. I found the perfect soil sample and planted the mighty seed. It's growing. The one you sent. The box with no delivery. It just seems to me that 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 is that is something that we have to be cognizant of, and that is something that's happening. And how we want to interact and how we want to socialize will really be dependent on us. But before COVID, we always had environmental issues. Cape Town had run out of water before COVID. So the things, the issues that I I was talking about in Pumzi were not necessarily a forecast of the distant future, but it was a reaction to what was happening now already. Um, and, I, and, I, I, and that was a conversation that I found it was really important to have. Let's make a pact that we will never be like any of them down there. Instead, we're going to be something real. Yes. Something real. But it was to be her second feature film, Rafiki, which told a simple story of two teenage girls falling in love with each other, which earned Wanuri the title of social justice filmmaker, an advocate for human rights, the right to love, and the right to freedom of speech and expression. I think it's, it's possible for creatives to create, um, and then whatever other people label, they will label. And unfortunately, because of often because of where you're born um, and what either identity you're born into, people will label you and people will politicize your your being. Your being alive becomes a political act. So the fact that I was born into a female body um, that is black, that is African, that is from East Africa, that is already, people see that as a political statement every time I open my mouth. When it's just a human being speaking and a human being imagining and a human being sharing ideas. Um, so I believe my work can be apolitical, but I don't know if that's the label that will be put on it by others. The Kenyan Film Classification Board banned the film because it said it promotes, endorses and legitimizes same-sex relationships which are illegal in Kenya. Here's the board's chief executive officer, Dr. Ezekiel Mutua, explaining on KTN News why the board had made a decision to ban the movie. The original version normalizes homosexuality. The original version seems to make it cool for uh, women and women to have sexual relationships. That, That movie because of promoting homosexuality against the laws of Kenya that recognize family as the basic unit of society, marriage as a relationship between two people, or union uh, between two people of the opposite gender, cannot show, it cannot air in Kenya, it cannot be distributed, broadcast, exhibited, or even 
No one should be found in possession of the same. The banning of Kenya's first film to premiere at the world's largest film festivals in Cannes meant that the film could not be considered for the 2018 Foreign Language Film Oscar nominations. So Wanuri challenged the ban in court, arguing that it would be detrimental to her career as a filmmaker. I believe in freedom of expression. I believe everybody has the right to say and express what they feel and what they want and should be given the space to do that just as long as that, what they're saying, is not considered hate speech, does not incite violence, and does not stop the freedoms of others. Apart from that, freedom of expression as per the Constitution should exist um, and for all, not for some and, and not for others, just for all. In court, Judge Wilfrida Okwini lifted the ban for seven days, saying she's not convinced that Kenya is such a weak society that it would be shaken by seeing Rafiki. Despite its limited release, Rafiki became Kenya's top-earning film of all time. Over 6,000 people flocked to cinemas to watch it, and hundreds more were turned away as theaters reached full capacity. According to newspaper reports, the seven-day release of the film saw a rush and prestige surpassed only by the release of the Marvel movie Black Panther. Here's Wanuri again. I think that any voting adult, any adult among over the age of 18, has the right to choose whether or not they want to watch Rafiki, the film. They also have the right to choose whether or not they have the right to watch any film that is constitutional. Um, because I don't, I don't believe that Kenya is so fragile that it is unable to have difficult con- conversations. And we are living in a time and a space where there are many LGBT people, in Kenya included. So turning our faces or burying our heads in the sand does not make them not exist. It does them a disservice. It does the whole country and all of humanity a disservice if we do not include all voices in narratives, all perspectives in creating ideas and shaping the world, and all voices in making sure that we have policies, government, that, that cater to all of us. Um, because without that, then we are living a very closeted, myopic life that, is, that could be the detriment of all of us for the whole of society. Ignoring the buzz and excitement around the success of Rafiki at home and abroad, the Kenyan Oscars Selection Committee chose Supermodo, a film about the unwavering positivity of a terminally ill child with dreams of being a superheroine as Kenya's official entry to the Oscars. Supermodo was not nominated for an Oscar that year either, robbing Kenya and Wainuri of a possible once-in-a-lifetime chance to win an Oscar. A Spanish film about a transgender male-to-female woman struggling with the death of her older boyfriend called A Fantastic Woman won the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar of 2018. Here's Dr. Ezekiel Mudua again. The, the issue is not to deny the reality of homosexuals in this country. We, we are not that uh, ignorant. We know it exists. But like I said, so is crime, so is corruption, so are other antisocial behavior. 
The fact that they exist does not make them right. If you want to talk about a movie that reflects on the reality of homosexuality, the challenges that people go through, the consequences of choices in a country that is so uh, conservative and predominantly uh, religious, and where people abhor and in fact scorn the homosexual behavior, if you choose to do that and you want to reflect the consequences, the stigma, the harassment, what they go through, because it's a reality, that we could have passed, because it's a reality. But the context, because we rate content in context, the context of this story is to legitimize lesbianism. It's unacceptable. But showing a picture of the negative realities of homosexuality, as Dr. Mutua suggested, goes against the very core of Wanuri's creative philosophy, which is to create art that is fun, fierce, frivolous, filled with joy and hope at the center of it. It's a philosophy, a test she calls Afro bubblegum. I created an Afro bubblegum test um, so that people can test their art to decide whether or not it could be considered Afro bubblegum. Um, and the test asks three questions. And what I realize is that those three questions don't only refer to Africans, but they also refer to people who have been considered minorities. And the questions are, are two or more Africans in this piece sick or dying? Are two or more Africans hopeless, desperate, or lost? Are two or more Africans in need of saving? And if the answer is yes, then the work is not Afro-Bubblegum. And we need to we need to apply this kind of test whenever we speak about othering because we us ourselves do not want to be people who continue to perpetuate othering through our own stories. And hopefully some of these questions, like the Afrobabagam test, will help to us to start to craft ideas and ideals about the content we want to create. Her philosophy was also a response to the prevailing negative narrative of Africa and its people always being poor, corrupt, diseased, and in need of a savior. I was creating spaces where we have African art that is full of joy, fun, and hope. And that was really important to create a space where we're allowed to be frivolous because so often our work, when we create it, has been social issue work, either because of funding or because of our personal histories or our histories with our governments. There's been a need to tell either patriotic films or films about um, progress, and there hasn't been that much space for the imagination. I would like to firmly advocate for art for art's sake, art for the sake of imagination. Um, as well as that sit comfortably with all the rest of the art that's being made as well, Um, so that we are seen as people who are worthy of joy. And the only way we can do that is if we see ourselves and we create worlds in which we are full of joy. I drew this for you, but you'll never, ever see it. I made a promise it could never, ever show. I wrote this song, but you'll never, ever hear could be better, but you're probably okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here again, falling in love again. Although Rafiki is still banned in Kenya today, 
Wanuri says they will pursue its public release to consenting adults in the interest of realizing the right to freedom of expression for all Kenyans, just like her hero Professor Wangari Mathai did with her mission to save the forests of Kenya. I think that I've been, Professor Wangari Mathai has always been my hero. Growing up, I've watched her over and over and over. Um, and the thing that stood out to me the most was that she was so dedicated and so stubborn and um, in, her, in her beliefs. And she never shook. Whatever she believed in, she fought for. And she was a really staunch believer in the goodness of human beings. And her work was in, was in a way activating people to actualize their best selves, their most selfless selves. By planting a tree, she said, you don't necessarily see the benefits in your lifetime, but the generations after you will see the, the, the benefits of it. That is truly a selfless act. And her call to action of selflessness is something that I, I te- deeply, deeply have taken on board and I try and carry through in, through my own work and my own life. Next time, we speak to Dr. Ayak Choldeng Alak, a medical doctor and co-founder of Anna Daban, an artist collective using the creative arts to discuss issues of social justice and government accountability in South Sudan. We don't want to put leaders who are there who have killed people, who have ordered rape, who have orchestrated deaths, uh, who, who have looted and have funds you know, all over the world. We should not be morally okay with having such leaders. It should bug us, it should make us uncomfortable because that leader should not represent us. But if we're quiet about it, then it means this leader represents, you know, us. Until then, merci, obrigado, gracias, shukran, baya danki reale boja, tenki siabonga. Asante kwa gusigiliza. Thank you for listening. Hey. <laughs>